11. How about that? It never gets old, does it? Mark chapter 11. And uh, <clears throat> we're going to look at some foundational things this morning. You know, whenever um, God spoke to me about the home he had for me, and uh, he told me, you know, that he had another home for me, and I'm living in that home now. And uh, it being an older home, it was started in 1926 and finished in 1929. And uh, I knew that the, uh, the Foursquare denomination who owned the home previously had put a million and a million and a half dollars into just behind the walls. You know, the, the unseen part. Girls don't like putting their money in the unseen parts. So I'm so thankful that they put their money in the unseen parts. And they put a million and a half dollars into just the structural thing of it. And so when God told me about that house, that it was mine, uh, before I even bought it, uh, I got permission from them. They had agreed to sell it to me, but the transaction hadn't taken place because it had to go through th three different committees on their end to sell it. And so I got, I got a, a, an inspector to come. And I said, I want you to inspect the house. And I said, now, when you inspect the house, I said, I'm not inspecting it to see if I'm going to buy it. Because that's why people send home inspectors, yeah. to see if they're going to buy it. And I said, I'm going to buy it. But I said, I want to find out what I'm dealing with and what I'm facing once yeah. I buy it. So that's, that's the reason. It was not to see if it qualified for a purchase, but I just wanted to see what, what I'd have to put into it. And so he told me when he drove up, he said, you know, this being an older home, he said, uh, it's going to have a rock and mortar foundation. He said, so it's just rock. I mean, just like they just got rocks from off the land wherever, and they put mortar, and he said, that's going to be the foundation. That's what this house originally was built on. And so he said, so uh, I'll go under and I'll look and see what your foundation looks like. And thankfully, he came back out and he said, you've got a brand new foundation under that house. It's, co it's completely concrete. He said, so what they would have done, they would have pulled out a section of the, of the foundation, poured the concrete, then crawled, and they did this all crawling under the house. And they, they pulled out the next section, poured concrete, poured out the next section, poured concrete, and did it under the entire structure. And it's on top of a hill, so the ground is yeah. like yeah. this. And so it was quite a job. And he said, there's, there's where your million and a half dollars is, is right under there. He said, that's where they spent the bulk of the money on the foundation of that thing. And I was so glad to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> that he said your foundation yeah. is in great working order and he said now there's other things that need to be addressed and you'll want to address i said that's fine just so long as the foundation is dealt with then it, it makes my job easier and we can go on from there right. yeah. uh john uh, pastor john osteen was uh he had talked about years ago they had a two-story building for their church uh this before they got you know built their bigger ones and uh, so he had had his builder. He called his builder one day and says, I want to, uh, he says, I want to add to, the, to this building. He said, I want to add a couple more stories to this building. And he said, so I want you to come out here and let's get this process started. He says, no, you're not going to do that on that building. And he said, don't tell me I'm not going to do that on that building. I'm the pastor. If I say there's going to be a couple more stories on this building, there's going to be a couple more stories. He said, you may be the pastor, but I'm the builder. 
And he said, I did not build that building to support more stories. It can only support two stories based on the foundation. Yeah. He said, the foundation forbids you to go higher. You understand that? I so appreciate what Pastor Jordan was talking about. We're faith people around here. Why is that? Because that's part of our foundation. And it matters that our foundation not just be there, but it be in good condition. Because if you want to go higher, you're going to have to first look at your foundation and see if you can do that. Amen. You know, whenever I was a piano performance major in college, and that was classical, you know, stuff. We didn't play what they play here in church. And, um, and so, you know, I, I, I majored in what I couldn't really use in life. <laughs> and uh, every day of my life, because I'd practice, you know, anywhere from four to six hours a day just in college, you know. And every single day of my life, I did not start out just sitting down and playing the piece I was learning. I sat down and started with the, the scales, the arpeggios, the cording. I started with the foundational things because I could not do what was in the music if I did not do the, 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 those technical things as my foundation. I never got to the point where I didn't need the foundational technical side of it. I, the, the further I go, the more insistent I was that I start with those. You understand that? You never get away from needing to go back to your foundation. Never get away. And the more mature you get in the Lord, the more you pay attention to the foundational thing. And it's, it is the immature who don't pay attention to the foundation. Amen. But it's the mature who realize the foundation supports the whole thing. And uh, when I hear at my home, the other, it was funny because uh, Pastor, Pastor Edwin and Angela Anderson, you know who, who they are, um, they, they stay with me when they come for Holy Ghost meetings or camp meetings. And so I had him down in one of the downstairs rooms because I you know, have it as a suite for guests and stuff. But in that room is also the, the door that accesses all the underside of the house. And part of, that, part of the access underside, you can walk under it. I mean, you can store stuff under it, and you can stand up in it. And, but there's that door, and he came up wide-eyed one night, and he said, uh, Pastor Nancy, he said, uh, there's a sound in there. <laughs> and I said, oh, yeah. I said, uh, you know, this place was vacant for 10 years, and so every, every rodent, you know, just moved in and started acting like it belonged to them. They... You know, they're, they're squatters. You know, they're just squatters. <laughs> and I said, but since I've been living here, a lot of them have run out because the noise of me being here has run them out. But I said, if you haven't gotten the memo yet, and I said, uh, that's not a mouse under there. That's probably like a raccoon or rabbit. It's a, something big, you know. <laughs> and he goes, oh, okay. I said, you're all right. You're all right. You're all right. <laughs> but I have never once... I have never once since I've been living there had to address the upper rooms. There were no rodents up there. The rodents are always trying to eat away at the foundational part of that house. And I tell you, it's the little foxes that spoil the vine, but they're not up at the top of the vine. They're at the root of that thing. And so this is why we always want to go back to some basic foundational root things. And you need to so rejoice when your pastor visits the foundation. 
Amen. Because there are people who want to go higher. Okay, then let's go lower. You got to go low and look at that foundation and support it and make sure that it is in, in superior condition. Because there's constantly, every day of your life, something is trying to eat away at the foundation of the word in your life. Amen. The foundation of faith, the foundation of confessing, the foundation of I believe I receive when I pray. These foundational truths that, ki- that help us to go higher. So how about this morning we look at these? Yeah. Amen. We know the passage here that Jesus and his disciples, they, they were, you know, journeying a little bit and they got hungry. And so Jesus anticipated getting some fruit off this tree because it, it appeared like it had like it had some fruit, but when he got up close to it, there was no fruit. It was all appearance sake. And so he said, no man eat, eat fruit of thee hereafter. And so they go on in their journey, and the next day they come back, and that tree is dead from the root. It's withered, you know. And uh, so Peter drew attention and says, look, Master, the, cur- the tree you curse, look at it, it's dead. So he tells them how he did it. Because they were shocked and amazed. You know, they were surprised. Notice Jesus didn't bring attention to it. They right. did. He already, he already knew it was dead the moment he spoke. But they got impressed that it was dead when they saw it. And uh, then he goes on and he says, and then he tells them how he did that. With verse 22, he says, Jesus answering said unto them, look at this, have faith in God. Or uh, as we know this, the actual Greek says, have the faith of God. How many of you know that when, when you got saved, God put a measure of faith in you? And you know where he went to get that faith? He took it of a, of a, a measure of his own faith. He didn't go get the angel's faith. <laughs> he didn't go get faith somewhere else. It's the absolute flow of his faith that he put on the inside of each and every one of us a measure of that. And now it's up to us to increase that measure, develop that measure, and be, become skillful. But here he said, have the faith of God. And then he goes on and he talks about the principles of faith. And in verse 23, he said, For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Verse 23 is telling you this in a nutshell. Things will obey you. Talk to them. That's exactly what he's teaching them. Things will obey you. That's what he did. He talked to a tree. And he's telling them things will obey you. Talk to them. That's a foundation of faith right there. You got to talk to things. And it lets you know this, that faith comes out through your speech. Until you speak, your faith can't be heard. Until you speak, your faith can't get out. It's in your heart, but it's got to get out of your heart and into operation. And until you speak, that can't happen. So he's telling them, he didn't just go up to the, he didn't just go up to the tree and just mind power it. Yeah, Star Wars stuff. Have you ever noticed anyone that comes to the church to have a wedding ceremony, they come up to the altar, and 
it's not enough for the pastor to say we're all gathered together, you know, here in the presence of God and, you know, all your loved ones and people who is and people who ain't, you know, and, <laughs> and say, all right, now we're going to let them be joined together in holy matrimony. Do you? All right, it's done. No, somebody had to say something. When we get on the airplane and if we get an exit row, the stewardess comes up and she says, there are duties that you have to perform in the case of an emergency. Are you physically well able to do those duties? Do you agree to do those duties? You cannot look at her and go, she won't take that. She says, I have to hear a verbal agreement out of you. Or else you have to get up and move. If you refuse to give that verbal agreement, you can't sit there. There's a lot of people that can't sit in prosperity because they won't verbally agree. There's a lot of people who won't sit in healing because they won't verbally agree. you got to verbally agree. This is what Jesus said. Things, ha things will obey you. Talk to them. Primarily in verse 23, he says this, Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou what? Removed. Removed. He's telling you how to get rid of things in your life. How do you get rid of bad habits? Talk to them. How do you get rid of, how do you get rid of wrong thoughts? Talk to them. How do you get rid of fear? Talk to it. How do you get rid of depression? Talk to it. Tell it. You're leaving me in Jesus' name. You're not staying here. Talk to it. Because your life is always going to have things presented to it that you're going to have to get removed. And he's telling you, get rid of things by talking to them. Amen. And then in verse 24, he goes on to the next phrase, and he says this. He says, therefore, I say unto you what things soever you desire. First, 23 is telling you how to get rid of things to remove things. 24 is telling you how to get what you desire. Wow. Yeah. So and he knows this. Uh, you need to get rid of things, and you need to get some things. Yeah. So he's telling you how to get your desires met. What things ever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them. He would not tell you how to get your desires met if he wasn't interested in you having your desires met. Come on, amen. He wants your desires met, and whether or not your desires are met depends on what you do. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. So in verse 23 and 24, we see the principles. What things ever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. So verse 24, excuse me, 23, remove things. 24, receive things. Yeah. Remove things, receive things. Yeah. Remove things, receive things. Now, so these are the principles of how to get things removed and how to get things received into yeah. your life. Amen. These are the principles. So people in the church will say, well, I do that. I talk to things. I tell them to leave. I tell my body to, I tell symptoms to leave and it doesn't change. I tell money to come. It doesn't come. I don't know. I just keep doing that. I do it and it doesn't work for me. Listen, because for 25 years, I have dealt with people who said, it, I do that. Yeah. I know that scripture. It doesn't matter that you know that scripture. People will come up to you and say, Pastor Nancy, I've had financial problems for years, and I just, I just don't know what to do. Well, the word says, my God shall survive. Yeah, I know that. I know, I know, and they finish the verse for you. But what they're doing, they're dismissing themselves from it because they know it, and they're coming to tell you it's not working for me. Well, I don't doubt it's not working for you. But why is it that something that Jesus said would work, why is it not working? 
if I'm telling things to be removed and they're not leaving and I'm telling things to come and they're not coming, what's the problem? Verse 22. Have the faith of God. You're going to have to tell things to move from the place of faith. You're going to have to tell things to come from the position of faith. And this is where many people are missing it. They're just talking it out of their head, talking it out of something they've learned at church, repeating and parroting things, but they're not saying it from a place of the faith of God, living bold and big in them. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. It's, the, it's the place you say it from that determines whether or not it's going to work. Oh, come on, come on. Amen. <clears throat> so if you're saying something and it's not working, don't keep saying it. Go back to verse 22. Don't keep doing verse 23 over and over if things aren't removing. Brother Hagen called that useless confessions. You know, just because you're saying it doesn't make it a confession. Something's not a confession unless faith is attached to it. Amen. And there have been people who know the principles... And they're stating them just principles. But I want you to know what makes the principles work is saying it with a spirit of faith behind it. That's what makes it work. And if you keep saying it and saying it, nothing changes. Something's wrong. Back up and get yourself in the spirit of faith. And you say, well, I have the spirit of faith. Well, uh, everybody could have the spirit of faith, but that doesn't mean you have the spirit of faith. Because I've sat under many preachers over the, over the years I've been saved, and some of them you can hear faith. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a different sound about it. Than others, they're repeating what they've heard, and they're telling principles, but you can tell there's, there's no bite in it. That's right. That's right. There's no rawness to it. There's yeah. no, in it, you know. If you can't growl when you're saying something, you, you, you're missing something. I'm talking there is something from the inside that makes it not dead sounding. I can sit, I can sit in a, you know, I've, I've sat in my church services over the years at my own church because I'm not going to bring up your church. I'm going to talk about mine. <laughs> and you can hear people, you know, that have been there for years and they've, you know, they're, they're sweet people. They love the Lord. But when they say, yes, pastor, amen, it's dead. It's hollow sounding. That's exactly yeah. right. It's, uh, it bothers you. Bothers when, it, 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 when they say it, they're saying something right, but it's not coming from a spirit that believes. Yes, amen. Yes, amen. I go, now I know why you have financial problems. I can hear it. Yeah. I can hear the lack of faith. I can hear it. Yeah. You can hear whether there's a spirit of faith yeah. behind those words or not. Yeah. And just because you have faith doesn't mean you're in it. Yeah. Come on. Right. Come on. Paul said, examine yourself yeah. to see whether you be in the faith. He didn't say examine yourself, see whether you have it. Yeah. He said whether you're in the faith. Yeah. You can confess things and not saying it from a position of standing in yeah. your faith. Yeah. You can just repeat it because you've heard it and you know it. And those people who say they get bored with hearing these foundational things, well, I know all that. That's because you're not in faith. If you're bored, this stuff never bores you. 
You're not in faith because to faith, I mean, the more you hear it, the more you want it. I mean, it's just like, it's just like throwing gasoline on a fire. When you got the spirit of faith, man, you're just looking for the next faith message. But if you're apathetic and casual toward it, that's because of what you've allowed yourself to, to operate in. So I, verse 23 and verse 24 will not work without verse 22. Won't work. I said won't work. If you're repeating something and confessing something and nothing is changing, don't just say, I'm standing my ground, I'm standing my ground. Yeah, you may be on the wrong ground. Take time to make sure you're getting your faith fed and you're putting faith in you every day of your life that you are listening and you're, you're consciously releasing your faith and not just repeating words. Listen, when I pray, I can tell. If I, can tell I hook up my spirit when I start making my confessions. I hook up my spirit because saying them out of my mind won't do anything and I'm wasting my time. I make sure I get con my tongue connected to my spirit. And I can tell when it's flowing out of my spirit or whether it's just flowing out of my mind. And it's yeah. not about feelings. Yeah. It's about you can sense whether you hooked in or not. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Take time to get in faith before you make confessions. Yeah. Take time to feed your faith. Before you start confessing. Brother Hagen made this statement. I mean, Brother Hagen is the one who has put handles on these principles for us. He has stated it in such a clear way that we can easily handle these things and move them around in our lives and get results with them. But he said, before I start praying, I find scripture to back me up. He said, I feed on those scriptures. And he says, I get them in me before I... He said, for days, I'll, I'll write down the same healing scriptures, the same prosperity scriptures on a card that I've preached for years, but I'm getting them in me and I'm fortifying them in me before I even go to release my faith because he said, it won't matter that I pray if I'm not in faith when I pray. That's it, that's it. Take time to get in the faith. Yes. Amen. Amen. And so this is, Jesus is telling them, these principles are true and they work, but they're hinging on verse 22. Have the faith of God. You say, well, I'm born again. I got faith. That doesn't mean you're in it. Amen. There was a, a man who came to our, um, one of our services years ago, and um, he came up to my husband and he said, uh, my mother just got diagnosed with breast cancer, and he said, I know that God uses you in dealing with cancer. And so he said, uh, I need to get a prayer cloth, you know. So Ed laid hands on a prayer cloth, and he took that back to his mother. And I so appreciate what his mother did because, you know, people that are in a position like that, they would be, if I could say this, frantic for help. So she didn't just take that prayer cloth and just, you know, put it on her immediately. She took that prayer cloth and set it aside. And for the next two weeks, she built herself up on the word. And she started feeding on healing scriptures. I mean, in a, in a, in a condensed way. So she's feeding on healing scriptures and feeding and confessing and getting, getting herself in a position of faith. 
What's she doing? She's getting herself in the faith of God. And then she's getting that scripture, you know, over in Acts where it talks about that these handkerchiefs, you know, can be carried in that. So she, she built herself up in that. So for two weeks, now see, she needs that healing power. She needs it. But she realizes, I've got to be in faith for that power to do its work. So she took time to get herself in the place of faith before she tried to access the power. Does that make sense to you? And so after two weeks of feeding, she said, I'm in faith. I'm in, what, what's she doing? Running out all fear, running out all doubt, dealing with all kinds of things. And then in, after two weeks, she laid that cloth on her body, and her son contacted us and said the moment she laid that cloth on her, the power of God went through her, and that thing disappeared instantly. Why? Because she did it from in a place of the faith of God. She did verse 22 first. Amen. Now, uh, go with me to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. And look at verse 15. Luke chapter 5, verse 15. But so much the more went there a fame abroad of him, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. Notice these people didn't come to be healed. They came to hear and to be healed. So many people come to church to be healed. They came to hear and to be healed. To, to hear is going to take you some time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is why people don't take, they don't get the faith of God in them. They don't put the time in. Are you earning something? No, but you're taking the time to put yourself in a position to where you're full of faith so that when the power is present, your faith grabs hold of that. Amen. So notice how important it was to the multitudes that they came to hear and be healed. Now, if they could have bypassed the hearing, don't you think it would have been under Jesus' ministry? He had enough power that if it could be done to bypass the hearing to get the healing, it would have been under his ministry. But even under his ministry, they didn't dare bypass the hearing. This is where many people miss it. They just want to receive it without doing the steps of getting in the faith. And this is why people say the faith message doesn't work. Not from a place of the mind, it sure does not work. Not from a place of the flesh. Not from a place of not taking time to get the word in you and to get your faith built up and to get yourself... Could we say get a momentum of faith going? Because faith has a momentum with it. And when you get in that momentum of faith... And then you start speaking of things and things start moving and things start leaving your life and things start coming to your life when you're saying it from a place of faith. And many will just stand and they will say, for months and months and months, they'll say and say and say, but they didn't take months and months and months to do verse 22. And this is what these people did. They came to hear. What are they coming to do? They're coming to get verse 22, so to speak, in them. They're coming to get the faith in them. Romans 10, verse 17, and I'll just, just quoting it to you, says, what's this? Faith comes by what? 
Ah, faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. Now, faith comes by hearing. Faith is not released by hearing. You understand that? Jesus told us how faith is released in verses 23 and 24. He wasn't talking about faith coming in that, those two verses. He was talking about how to release your faith. So faith comes by hearing, but faith isn't released by hearing. So you not only have to have it coming in, you have to have it going out. Faith is for two directions, the coming and the going. Faith is for, uh, the, your faith is for things to come and your faith is for things to go. But here it says faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now I can have uh, up at the castle, I get all kinds of weirdness. This, because it sits on a hill. You can see it from anywhere, any miles and miles around. It sits on the highest hill there. And so it's, it just looms large. And so it's a unique-looking property, and it draws a magnet of bugs. You know, yeah. all kinds of weirds and wackos <laughs> just are drawn to the light of this thing sitting on a hill. And the other day, oh, I don't know, what was it, Morgan, maybe two months ago, because, I mean, it's ongoing. I mean, people are jumping the fence. People are, oh absolutely. You, you open the gate and they drive in before you can even get your car out. They're, I mean, it just, they, they want it. They want to see it, you know, because it was vacant for 10 years. And a lot of them knew that. But now there's activity around there. And so uh, a couple of months ago, um, I have a couple that live with me. And they live in the caretaker's quarters on the property because I'm gone so much. And you have to have somebody present to keep yeah. the weirds and the wax out. <laughs> and so um, uh, Stephanie, who she lives there with, with me, and we were in the house, and her husband was coming home from work. So I have a gate that, you know, is at the driveway, so he comes up, and there's a car sitting in front of my gate. So he's already trespassing to even be up to my gate. And I have don't trespass. I have security. I got everything, but they don't read signs. Yeah. You know nothing. <laughs> Just illiterates, you know. Yeah. And so this car is sitting there. And Dave drives up behind him and, and just kind of leans out the window and says, what are you doing here? And he said, well, <laughs> I don't I want to. He said, my, 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 I'm meeting my girlfriend here. And then he said something else. Oh, and I go, and, and, and he says, uh, no, he said, you're not going to be meeting your girlfriend here. And uh, Dave said that when the guy leaned out, and he kind of leaned out his window talking, he had a big gecko on his arm, a live. Wow. Not a tattoo, a live one <laughs> on his arm. And then the guy said to him, he said, now I've got swords and knives in here, but I'm not going to use them on you. And Dave said, okay. <laughs> so Dave realizes he's got an issue here. And then the guy said, should I just wait here for the police? And Dave said, that'd be good. I mean, when that's your first thought, should I wait here for the police? It's like they're buddies, you know? 
So Dave, Dave said, and, and it's a one lane, so Dave said, I knew for the police to get there, I needed to get my truck out of the way. So he says, I told him, it's not good for my truck to be sitting on an incline. I'm going to back down. Yeah. You know, when, when, you're, when you're off, you don't really understand yeah. that an incline won't hurt your truck. But, <laughs> but that's what Dave said. He said, so I'm going to back down. So he backed down the road, and then they called the police, and eight police cars just come. Sirens, they come from every direction. And so, you know, and we didn't even know he was out there. Stephanie and I are just, you know, oblivious. <laughs> and so we hear this, get out of the car, get out of the car, you know. <laughs> and then they've got him, they've slammed him down on the ground. And, you know, so they're out there for about an hour. And then they come back and they say, uh, well, we've got to call, we can't haul his, his car off yet because he's got all kinds of animals in the car. So we've got to get the animal control people. He had a python. He had rats. He had all kinds of weirdness in the car. So they got to call the, an the animal control. Just, just a day in the life of the castle. You know? <laughs> and, and so they hauled him off and put him in, you know, a, a hospital to help his mind. Yeah. You know. And come to find out, you know, he had been arrested, of course, for burglary and, and battery and all kinds of, of stuff. But, <laughs> but the thing is, he came there and was sitting there a good long time. But just because he came didn't mean he was getting in. Yeah. 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 I've got gates there. Yeah. And I'm fixing to get bigger gates <laughs> and more gates yeah. that are going to be all around the perimeter of my property because even though there's, a, there's fencing around the house, but I'm going to put it around the whole land because I'm going to end up buying that whole mountain. You know, it's yeah. me and Caleb. <laughs> Give me the mountain. Yeah. You know. <laughs> and so we're going to put fencing around the whole thing. Why? Because just because you come doesn't mean you're going to get in. Yeah. 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 Right? Yeah. Uh, when you hear the word, Faith cometh, but that doesn't mean it got in. Faith comes by hearing, but you have to receive it because there's a lot of people who sit in our church services and faith comes to them throughout the whole service and they sit there non-receptive to it. They sit there without any respect for it, without any manners toward the word. Yeah, that's exactly right. Amen. And they don't let it in. You can be where it came, but that you've got to get it in you. And this is what Jesus was saying in Mark eleven twenty two. It's not just got to come. It's got to get in you because your mind is the gateway to your spirit. And your mind can say, nope, not going to take that. Nope, not interested in that. Nope, not going to believe that. But someone who wants the faith in them, they're fully persuaded. I'm fully persuaded. They take that into their spirit. So when you're in service, don't just listen with your head. Listen with your spirit. Take it in. And you can tell whether people are taking it in here or taking it in here. You can tell. And you can tell where, how you took it in. If you'll just can't stay around long enough, you can tell where it landed. Amen. And this is what Jesus was saying, have the faith of God. And you can't have the faith of God in your brain. You can only have it in your spirit. And you have to receive it into your spirit. I was listening to a tape with Dad Hagen, and I so appreciated it because he made a statement in this. He was praying, and uh, he said, uh, in, in his praying, he said, Father, I receive that. 
thank you for that. I, re I received that. And he kept saying, I received that. I received that. I received that. What happened? God gave him a revelation. But notice just because it came, he had to perform the act of receiving it. How did he perform the act of receiving it? I received that. I received that. Then after he got done talking to God, he turned and talked to the congregation. And I so appreciate what he said. He said, God just revealed something to me about my future. But he says, I didn't understand that. I do not understand what he just said to me. So I decided to receive by faith what I did not understand. And that's when you heard me say, I received that. Notice this. You can receive into your heart things your brain cannot understand or calculate or figure out. And if you won't receive it into your heart until the brain calculates it and processes it, you're going to cheat yourself. Because you can receive things now that you won't even understand till later. Amen. Amen. So it matters that you're sitting here receiving the word, the faith that comes. Because faith comes. But that doesn't mean it got in. Faith comes when you hear the word preached. Every Sunday morning, don't just go and say, you know, thank God for our church. Go say, I'm going to receive this morning. I'm going to receive. I'm not just going to hear a sermon. I'm going to receive because I've got to receive this for this faith to get in me. Amen. So if we're to receive the word in a way that produces fruit, it matters how we treat the word. When your pastor gets up, it matters how you treat him. It matters how you acknowledge him. It matters how you respond to him. It matters. If you're going to pull out your iPad and check your Instagram and check a few emails, you, it doesn't matter that faith came and filled the room when the pastor preached. Do not cheat yourself by disrespecting the word. Honor the word. Value the word. And know that it is faith food. It is food for your spirit. It is, it's got to get in your spirit or nothing changes in your life. Amen. Just getting in your head, it won't change. Now listen, your mind needs the word. Your mind, your, but your spirit has to have it too. Amen. So uh, if we come to service only with the thought of attending, we won't treat the word right. I'm not just coming to attend service. I'm coming to get the word in me. How should we treat and approach the word? How, how you treat the word de de will, will, de will determine how, how good a life you live. You understand that? Uh, the word tells us how we're to treat the word. Matthew 5, verse 6, and just you can just write these down because I'm going to read several of them. But Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, Those who hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. Notice this. The filling belongs to those who are hungry and thirsty. How should we come to church hungry, thirsty? Not just a mental thing, but from the inside of us, I'm hungry. I don't care. You don't have to be going through a tragedy to be hungry. In fact, you should just be hungry because of your love and regard for the word without, without tragedy pushing you to that point. Now, it's fine. That when, when you have a need, it will certainly accelerate your understanding of, I need the word in me today. And that's perfectly right. But don't wait for a crisis before you start treating the word right. Jeremiah 15 and verse 16 says this. I love this. Thy words were found. 
Ah. If you're going to find something, what's that mean? You've got to be looking for it. It doesn't just come to you. You've got to get up in the morning and go to church. <laughs> Thy words were found, and I did eat them. Not I just listened to them. Not I just heard them. I did eat them. If something is eaten, it's processed throughout your whole system, isn't it? So I did eat them, and thy word was unto me the joy and the rejoicing of my heart. Yeah. So how do we know whether or not you ate them, whether or not you're rejoicing? Yeah. Yeah. If you're not in joy and not rejoicing, you didn't eat what was offered to you. Yeah. I don't care what you heard. You didn't eat it. Yeah, yeah I was telling the ladies, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell, you, tell you again, um, when Stephen and Morgan, the other day, they, they were able to, you know, finalize the purchase of their home. And uh, Stephen, you know, Morgan had to overcome different opposition. Stephen had to overcome different opposition. And so uh, Stephen, one of the things that Stephen was trying to do was that, you know, they had a deadline. I think it was like February 21st. And the people said, you know, if they don't have everything, their purchase in order, that they need to be out because on the 22nd they want to move in. And Stephen says, well, I want to keep my word. If I don't keep my, if I don't for some reason get all the sales stuff I need in place, then I need to get out because it's their house if we defaulted, so to speak. So Stephen kept saying, you know, like he was saying this almost a week before that it was time to get out. I need to start packing. And I says, well, why are you going to start packing? And he said, because we don't have a loan yet. And I said, yeah, but you've got five more days to get a loan. You know what God can do in five days? You know, creation was a seven, you know, six-day thing, you know. And I said, God can do so much in five days. And he says, well, I, I want to honor my word. You know, I'm going to get up and I won't pack and I've got to have time to pack. And I said, is your spirit telling you to pack? He says, I don't know what my spirit's telling me. <laughs> you know, when things are coming at you, you can lose clarity sometimes. And I said, okay, well, let me help you find what your spirit is saying to you then. Yeah. That's what you want to have people around you to help help you locate what's in your spirit. Amen. That's what your pastor does. He helps you locate your spirit. Amen. Amen. And so I said, well, let me help you locate your spirit. What your spirit is saying to you. I said, is did God tell you that's your house? That's our house. Yes, that's our house. I said, do you still have peace that that's your house? He said. I still have peace that that's my house. I said, that's what the Spirit is saying to you. So I said, the Spirit didn't tell you pack. And I said to him, okay, you're talking about packing. You're going to go home at 5 o'clock today, and you're going to start packing. What are you going to do with it? I'm going to put it in the truck. You mean my truck? (laughs) Because he not only drives the green truck every day, but we have a box truck at the ministry. That's mine. So you're going to put it in my truck? And I said, okay, you load my truck with your furniture. Where are you going to take it? I'm going to take it to the church. I said, you mean my church? (laughs) And I'm going to put it, you know, in the Hagen building. You mean in my (laughs) building? Just because you packed doesn't mean you got somewhere to go. (laughs) You don't even have where to go with your stuff. Why are you trying to get out of a place and you don't have where to go with it? Right. If I were you, I'd try to stay where you're at and try to get out of where you're at. Yeah. Right. So anyway, we go through this, you know, shooting down, helping him quench fiery darts. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah, exactly what you're doing. And so I said to him, and it was raining outside. It doesn't rain much in California. Our average rainfall is an inch a year. And we can go for several years and not even get that. But we had a real flood for us. We had, you know, several days of a steady rain and stuff. So it's raining outside, and we're at a restaurant, and I said, you see my car out there? See, it's raining. I said, you're not getting in my car till you're dancing. <laughs> Why? Because if you're not dancing, you're not in faith, and no doubt's getting in my car. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, we're dancing around that car. We're rejoicing around that car. Yeah. Out in the rain, looking like fools. We're rejoicing. Yeah. But this is what the word says. Listen to this. Thy words were found, and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and the rejoicing. Not just the joy, but and the rejoicing. Meaning I gave expression to the joy. Well, you know, I'm in joy over the word. Then why aren't you rejoicing? Because we can tell by looking at your faith, face whether or not the, there's a spirit of faith in you. It matters how you respond to the faith that is in you. Well, I've got faith in me. Then there needs to be a response to that, sister. That's right. That's exactly right. Amen. Your words were a joy and rejoicing. Amen. Then Psalms 119 verse 92 said this, Unless thy law or thy word had been my delights, I should have then perished in mine affliction. So he's saying, I would have been like everyone else and perished, but there was one, one thing that set me apart. I, I delighted in his word. Yeah. How delighted in you are in his word will determine the outcome of that situation. If there's not much delight, you're going to fail. But if you've got a lot of delight, that word is being shown that it will keep you from failing. I tell you, we need to be thrilled with the word. Thrilled with the word. Uh, Psalm 119, verse 97. Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. So he's telling you that the word has to be the flow of your every day. We know this, you've got to work. We know this, you've got responsibilities. But he's saying this, that there should be a flow of the word. Just when you're in, in alone times or you're in your car, take that time to feast on the word. Just let it flow out of you. My God shall supply all my needs. I am rich. He made me rich. And you start just feasting on these things. You can if you've eaten them. And then verse, Psalms 119, verse 103. How sweet are thy words unto my taste. Yes, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Back here every day, they have had the most wonderful, delightful things. I mean chocolate-covered strawberries, little cupcakes, you know, chocolate-dipped pretzels, donut holes. Praise the Lord for donut holes. <laughs> All these wonderful things. And I mean, you remember at, at Christmas or Thanksgiving and your, your family member makes their, their favorite, you know, dessert thing? How many of you just stand by the pan <laughs> and eat out of the dish? I mean, you don't even take time to put it on the saucer because I, I'm just, I, and, and every time you walk by, you just take a bite. Every time you just walk by, you just take a bite. And there's like a community fork left there. <laughs> Does anybody do that or just do I just do that? 
There's a community fork, and you know there's no germs on it because it's so good. But I mean, mother would make something. My mother makes homemade donuts from scratch. She'll make the yeast bread, you know, and fry up the donut. Oh, my God. Make you, make you lick the back of your head, you know. Not going to miss a drop. That tongue will come out and around, you know. And I mean, you'd sit there and just take one of those, bite her dog, and go, mm, 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 mm. I mean, you just, you just, you just have to do a little jig. You just have to do, mm, that, that puts something in me, eating that, you know. And totally enjoy it. You know you're going to be fat by the time you're done, but you, you know you're going to be bloated for three days. But you're willing to pay the price because it tastes so good to you. Now, you might enjoy vegetables or something. I'm not saying you don't, but I've never seen people dance the same way. Just never seen it. Just never seen it. Never, never seen it. But look here. How sweet are thy words under my taste. Yes, sweeter than honey. So that means just like you would sit uh, over your favorite dessert and do, mm, 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 mm. I mean, you got to come to church. Mm, 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 that is good preaching. Oh, it's sweeter. You ought, there ought to be some interaction. Some kind of response when Pastor Jordan and Pastor Lauren and, and Dr. Jake, when they preach, there needs to be some kind of sign. Oh, this tastes so good. Not just to hear, but to hear. It tastes good to my spirit. Because the same way, I mean, you will, you will get your favorite dessert and try to extend yeah. And you know, I, I watch I watch Grant eat or I watch Bubby and Bear eat some, you know, I buy them a treat. You know, I buy them something and you know, let's say those what little sour patch watermelon things. You know those are And you can give Bubby or Bear a handful of those. And they'll go <laughs> the whole thing at one time. And I go, "No, that's not the way to eat that." Take one at a time. You want to make it last as long as you can. Don't just down it. One, then you're just doing like, like this. I said, take one and enjoy it. Chew it real good. Then take the next one. But I mean, you're losing half of it, you know. Because you just did this face wop here, you know, and you're losing half of it. Why do you gobble it? Don't gobble it. I mean, this, you got to, you know, you got to interact with this thing, you know? <laughs> and that's the way a lot of people are towards where, uh, just put it down, walk out, no big deal. No, make it last. I mean, just savor every, every part of that service, every part of that word. Every, just eat, eat, your, eat every part of it. Don't just try to swallow it down whole. You ain't that big. <laughs> Amen. His, his words are so sweet. They're so sweet in the time of your difficulty. I mean, to know what to, to think on, to know what to, to, to meditate on, to know how to talk when things are, are, are so difficult around you. It's the sweetest thing in the world to have the answer in the face of problems. It is such a blessing that when others cry, ah, I know what to say. Amen. And in Psalm 119, Verse 127 says this, I love thy commandments. Well, what are his commandments? Well, we know this. God put guidelines in his word for us to live by. These are his commandments. 
But aren't his commandments just what he says to us? Wouldn't we say this? I love what you say to me. What about if he tells you, I want you to give your pastor $100. I love what he said. When he says that to me, I love that. You see, this is people struggle with what God says because they don't love what he says. I decided, because in the natural, sometimes you think, well, I don't, you know, in traveling, I, 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 you know, I want to stay home more, or I don't want to go to this certain country, or I don't want to go over here. I just want, and I have, I have learned to shut down all those natural preferences by saying, Father, I love what you tell me to do. I so value that when you speak to me, I so value that you're even speaking to me. And what you say, I choose to love it. I won't struggle with it. I refuse to argue with it. I refuse to struggle and go back and forth. I love what you say. And that way, when something is said, I don't have any struggle. I'm already over on the other side. I'm already into the place of agreement before he's even spoken. This is what it says here in Psalms 119, verse 127. I love thy commandments. I love what you say to me. Then it goes on and says, I love thy commandments above gold. Yes, above fine gold. What you call valuable, you need to love the word more than what you would value, just in the natural. People will steal to get gold, so to speak. They will commit crimes to acquire things, won't they? We need to, if if they will do that for natural things, how much we should be reaching for these things that give us a life worth living. Psalms 119 has 176 verses in it. All but two of them, the word is the centerpiece of each verse. The author of that psalm loved the word. When you love the word, you prize the word, you value the word, you're going to have a strong faith. You're going to have a robust faith. And then when you treat the word right, when you go to do Mark 11, 23 and 24, it's going to work for you because of how you regard the word, because you've got the faith of God on the inside of you and you're feeding that faith. Amen. What did Jesus say about the word? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. He's letting us know every word was important to him. Amen. God said something to me years ago. I was laying in bed just getting ready to fall asleep one night, and God made a statement to me. He said, talk to me about my word. I thought that was interesting. What's he, what's he, what's he doing? He's inviting us to interact with his word. Don't just, don't just learn it to confess it. Learn it to get it in you. There are times when people say, I know, I know that supply belongs. I know the pastors have preached that I know supply, but I'm just struggling. It just doesn't seem real to me. I say it, it doesn't seem real to me. You have to take time to take ownership of the word. You can't spend what you don't own. And people are trying to spend a verse they haven't taken the time to own yet. How do you own it? You got to get it in you. How do you get it in you? Meditating it. How do you meditate it? You speak it to yourself. That's what God said. Talk to me about my word. Talk, uh, talk to yourself. Talk to God about it. When you're driving down the road in the car, my God shall supply. My God shall supply. My God shall. Su- just keep 
keep eating on that and eating on that. You ever had a sucker? It never got to the stick with one lick. Anybody remember the old commercial? Now, don't act like some of you aren't old enough. I know you old enough. How many licks does it take to get to the center of a Tootsie Roll? One, two, three, crunch. Remember? Because there was something inside that you had to get through the outside over. I'm going to tell you, the word is the same way. You've got to get past all the feelings. You've got to get past all the circumstances to get to the center of the truth of that thing. And that's going to take time of eating on it. To get rid of the wrong thinking. To get rid of thinking that hinders and holds you back. And so we see this, that when God says, talk to me about my word, interact with his word. Too many times we want to just interact when we sense the anointing. But talk to him about his word. Amen. If you don't understand something in his word, talk to him about it. When you do understand, don't just read through the word, talk through the word. Amen. Stop on a verse and talk that to him. And when it says rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice, don't just go to the next verse. I read that. Yeah, then stop. Do what that verse is telling you to do. That's called interacting with the Word. That's how you eat it and get it in you. It's not about getting your chapter read every day. It's about getting that in you that you're reading. And you only get it in you by reading it. And if you only got one verse in you, that's more than yesterday. Right? It's one verse more than you had yesterday. I would rather you get one verse in you than read through four chapters. Because it's not what you read that changes you. It's what gets in you. And then let's close with this. Go with me if you would. Let's go to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1, and we're going to look at verse 8. Let me tell you, if... uh, If you had just fallen in love with some little lovely thing, and I mean they were just a thrill to you, and they lived in a different state, and you didn't get to see them very often. And let's say FaceTime was not a, a thing that was present. Let's say that it was still like pen and paper. You know, and they would write you a letter. If you, I mean, you miss them so much, you love them so much, you wish you were right where they were, that would determine how you read that letter. You wouldn't just go, you wouldn't do a speed read. All right, got it. You would pour over every word. What did they say that they, they that, that it was a delight? Oh, I'm a delight. You know, they would take every word and they would, uh, they would just uh, value and cherish and some and reread it and, and weep over it, <laughs> or get excited and you, their heart would get thrilled. Oh, he said this or she said that. You know why? Because. You understand that they're, put, they're putting something of them on that paper and it matters to you how you respond and interact with that. And then if you go to write them back, you remember what they said and you respond to what they said in your response to them. That's how, we, that's how we're to treat the word. The word is God talking to us. 
When your pastor gets up, that's God talking to you through those sermons, through those scriptures. Amen? So it matters how we treat them because how we treat them determines the degree of faith that gets in us. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8, we know this passage. It's, you, need to, you need to know this passage well. This book of the law, couldn't we say this word of God, shall not depart out of thy mouth. Then he tells you how to keep it from departing out of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. So he's not, he, he knows this. He's not telling you 24 hours a day. You can't do this 24 hours a day. You're going to eat some of the time. You're going to sleep some of the time. You're going to do work. He's talking about a flow of your life. That there's never a time of your, of your life that the, the word doesn't have its place in your daily life. And so he says here, Thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do. Notice this. He doesn't talk to you about doing the word until you've taken the time to meditate it and get it in you. Meditation is how you get you in the word and get the word in you. And until you get the word in you, you don't own it. Amen. It belongs to you, but you don't own it until you get it in you. That's when it becomes alive to you. That's when you start making confessions and it works because you took time to get it in you. So this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. So... <clears throat> that thou mayest observe to do according to all that's written therein. Look at this. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. And then thou shalt have good success. Your prosperity is connected to what you do with the word. It's not connected to what God gives. It's connected to what you do with the word. Notice this. To be prosperous and to have good success. Notice in this verse, the devil's not mentioned. Notice God's not mentioned. The only thing that's mentioned is you and the word. What you do with the word determines the outcome of your life. So in this, in this verse, we can see this, this book of the law. Let's, talk, let's count the number of times the word is referenced and the number of times you're referenced or we're referenced. Uh, this book of the law, number one, the word shall not depart out of thy mouth. There's one us. And thou, shalt, thou two of us, shalt meditate therein the word day and night, that thou, number three, mayest observe to do <clears throat> according to all that is written therein. That's three times for the word. Then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. You're mentioned five times, and the word's mentioned three. Yeah. <clears throat> what you do with the word determines the success you have in life. It's not about what your pastor does. It's about what you do. To meditate the word takes time. It's going to take time to get the faith of God built in you. It's going to take time to keep feeding the faith of God, to keep practicing the faith of God. But if you'll do it, Mark 11, 23 and 24 will work every time. If you will take time to do verse 22, have the faith of God, get the word in you, meditate, then when you need to receive something, it works quickly, quickly, quickly. If something, every time you say something and declare something or release your faith and it takes 10, 10 12 months every time, you can accelerate that. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. How big you get the word in you will determine how fast things will come to pass many times. Amen. I don't know about you, but I'm thrilled to know I can remove things that need removing. I can receive the desires of my heart met. But there's a stipulation. I have to have the faith of God in me. Amen. 
Well, are you helped this morning? I know these are foundational truths, but these are the places where we miss it. If you can look at something that an answer isn't showing up, a help isn't showing up, go back to verse 22. Quit doing verse 23 and 24 and not getting anywhere. Go back to verse 22. Take the time to feed your faith. Get the word in you. Dad Hagen used to make this statement to us. He would say, if you will give an all-out effort to the word, it won't be long before your answer will show up. What is it? What's he mean by an all-out effort? He talked about this. He said the doctor would say to somebody, come back next Thursday at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. You'd go back next Thursday. And the doctor said, come back next Monday. Then you go back next Monday. He said, come back next Friday. And you go, what are you doing? You're giving an all-out effort to the word. Here it says here, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. Give an all-out effort to the word. Because if you will, it won't take long for things to come to pass in your life. Amen. Hallelujah. Stand with me to your feet this morning.